Hey everybody, uh, it's Andre. New episode of the Conundrum Podcast is up. Uh, when I started this idea, I thought I would uh, get in contact with lots of different people from the music community. Um, uh, the first few episodes were with drummers, um, just because I'm a drummer and that kind of easy thing to get uh, get things rolling. Um, so I decided to, uh, this time around, do um, a non-drummer. And uh, so for the first non-drummer, I went with... Uh, my oldest friend and uh, bandmate, uh, Jack Bowie. Uh, Jack is the first guest that is a non-drummer on the podcast. Uh, we have a pretty good chat. Um, what's in the podcast uh, is only a small amount of uh, what we talked about. Uh, we talked for a, a longer time than, than what's in, in the episode. So definitely a part two uh, will be made uh, with Jack. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I'm going to link... Well, I guess I would be linking the Six Gun Smoke stuff because that's uh, the main project that we work on together. Um, so anyway, uh, his socials will be there so you can check him out. Uh, he also does solo shows, acoustic stuff, and uh, we have a side project, he and I, called Rusty Rake. Um, so anyway, we, we have a good chat about how we uh, how we met uh, way, way back when. Uh, we were just kids. Um, the scene, how we grew up, uh, where his music influences come from. And uh, and all that. So hope you enjoy the uh, podcast. I don't want to keep talking here because uh, there's a lot that uh, Jack and I talk about. Anyway, cheers. Yeah, this is weird because I can't I can't hear you at all now. I can hear you. Back here. Oh, there we go. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. <laughs> now. Yes. So oh, where'd you go? There I just go. did that to see if it would change the... Yeah, I know. There you are, Jack Bowie. What's up? This is <laughs> it, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's kind of... This, this, uh, this is the first guest that I'm having on the podcast that I've known since I was like... I don't know. What was it? 13, 14 we met? Something like that? Yeah. I pretty think, much. Yeah. Pretty much my whole life almost. And you're the first six gunner on the podcast, so there's that. Um, That's true. Yeah. So. The, the non-drum six gunner. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the first non-drummer on the podcast as well. There, you got lots of firsts there, Bowie. <laughs> Thanks, I think. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. This yeah. could be a fucking shit show. And Probably will be. That's usually what we do. <laughs> so... I know quite a few things about you because I've grown up with you, but for the sake of the podcast, uh, we'll take a little trip down um, Jack Bowie memory lane a little bit here. Um, So where do you come from, my good buddy? I am Miramichi born and raised, uh, Newcastle side, if you want to go back. Uh, Back then, I guess that's what it would have been. Most of my adventures were in Chatham. I would dare to say that's where the action happened. That's where a lot of the action happened. And um, yeah, I don't know. I guess just life kept me here. So I stayed, Uh, lived in Moncton briefly in 2000. Um, Been in and around most the Miramichi area the most of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, I uh, grew up here when I was young, we moved to like Murray settlement, like just outside of Rogersville for like a couple of years when I was like, I don't know, grade two, I think. 
And then from grade three until I finished school and went to college, it was in Newcastle and Chatham. And then uh, moved to St. John for a couple of years and then moved back here. So pretty much same, same idea. Um, so in Miramichi, Newcastle area, was it always in that, that house that we uh, used to have our jams in? It was. I mean, we, um, in fact, actually, until I was six, I lived in Oak Point and my parents had moved to town and they had bought in that house and okay. I, I was, was there until. Which was a convenience store, wasn't it? It was. Um, it was um, called Croft Superette at the time. And <laughs> okay. my dad, uh, you know, he was um, not well at the time. So he's off work. So he decided to get some income, I, I guess was the theory. Yeah. And um, but there was a lot of memories made in that store. And he, mm -hmm. he was quite the entrepreneur. He had, like uh, the first time I ever watched Beetlejuice was because we rented it for my own store. Nice. Um, and same with Back to the Future. Um, so he, he got into the movie game a little bit, and there yeah. was a lot of like teenagers that lived in the area. But the 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 coolest thing he got into was video games. He I don't know how this came about. I was going to ask. Like, um, yeah, he had the old NES cartridges and stuff. He, well, he had those for a little bit, but I'm talking like the full stand up arcade uh, games, and the two games that like. I don't know, coined it, I guess, if you will. He had Operation Wolf. I don't know if you remember that game with the yeah, gun. The, yeah, yeah. He had that one in, but the 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 money maker was Double Dragon. Oh, like yeah. Friday night and Saturday night, there would be like ten high school kids around that machine, and just pumping quarters to it. It was oh, like, yeah. Well, that was a hot yeah. game at the Star Palace at the uh, in the in the mall. Like the the arcade that was at the mall there was double dragon True. and double yeah. dragon 2 and street fighter mortal Kombat, nba jam like throws a brick like those games were just like yo classics 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 but the double dragon one was just it always stuck out to me because it was just i i just never seen anything like it like i mean i was yeah. you know quite a bit younger than the other kids so i wasn't really playing it but just I would yeah. kind of stand back and I think I even had a little chair. I would like stand up so I could see the screen, but um, you know, yeah, yeah. parents supporting the violence, watching video games. What can so, I say? So you weren't six feet tall by that back then. No, I was no. not six feet tall back okay. then, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, did you know that I used to live on that street when I was in, when we first moved from Murray settlement, we lived on that street for, uh, I think it was a year and a half or two years before we bought, the, the house on McKay. I was I, next door neighbor. For some neighbors. reason, I think I did know that. My neighbor was uh, the Richards. Kevin. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think I did know that. I think yeah. Kevin might have told me that more yeah, than probably. you did, which was Definitely. strange. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, little yeah, Lock so Street connection. Little Lock Street connection. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like. <laughs> With an E. <laughs> Locky. Yeah. I always, I was one, like, I always called it Lock Street. And mm -hmm. I remember somebody was like, oh, you live on Locky Street. I was like, Where's that? Lockheed's. Anyway, no, yeah, and we don't Lockheed. use a knife. No, we don't. <laughs> there you go. So what was your first, um, uh, so you were in that house for quite a lot of years then. Um, so what was your first musical um, memories growing up as a kid? Like, was it always playing in your house? Because I know your dad was a classic rocker. He was a classic rocker. Like, so get um, into that. Okay, so... I don't know. I mean, I guess, um, well, Matt and John played music. 
and John and Dale played music and they were a little older than me. So I kind of looked up to them and they were, they were learning instruments. So I was like, I think I want to learn too. But then some people from school were kind of wanting to learn, but um, so there was that kind of the instrument aspect of it. But before that, you're right. My father was always into the classic rock music. Saturday was a wash the white walls, clean the rims, Mm-hmm. And listen to Leonard Skinner outside with the doors blared, opening the vehicle. And um, it was like I learned, well, I played ho- a lot of hockey growing up. So where I learned most of it was the rule was we listened to his music one way and my music the next way, like the other way. Yeah. Okay. So, but I mean, clearly, you know, when 91 hit, Nirvana came out, that was really big mm-hmm. for me. Uh, that was kind of like I want to do that. Like that sounds pretty. Like I like that. <laughs> and um, but the the big moment for me was I remember not knowing what records were. It was about seven or eight, and I didn't know what they were. And um, I asked Dad. He's like, you know, what's what's the, what's this machine? What are these things? And uh, so anyway, he uh, he showed me, and the first thing he ever played for me, the first anything i've ever heard on vinyl because it was always cassettes yeah. and the other stuff because the yeah. car and stuff but yeah um the first thing he's ever played for me on vinyl was war pigs by black sabbath and he cranked it and i was like what a life changer i life was like this moment. is what is this like life you know changing moment. so um look i'm getting goosebumps just talking yeah. about it. so that was that was kind of like the first like I'm a music fan now moment. And I think for him, it was kind of the first, like, you know, my son likes music and I asked him to teach me how to put on the records. And I remember like he had Van Halen 84, like the first time I heard Panama and uh, Voodoo Child and like, you know, the whole Paranoid album was because my dad had those records he taught me how to use them and i had i just went in blind i was just like this album looks cool and i put it on um yeah. so he had that side uh yeah. you know and then i had the nirvana with kind of my friends and then i had but the other one that really spoke to me was he had heard of gold he had neil young heard of gold and you know so i still have his copy like the original no way yeah and uh matt Bowie had had it and he had given it to me as a wedding present and i love it but it's like an original copy when it came out so it's like not just like a heart of gold he bought like yeah yeah after the fact like when heart of gold came out he got it on vinyl and that's the copy that i have so never let that go no 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 like so but needless to say those albums were all you know they i was just that's what made me want to play music was just it was just so cool like it was just so cool to listen to that stuff and at the same time like you know a lot of my friends uh i kind of had two groups of friends i had my music friends and i had my hockey friends and my hockey friends weren't into that stuff as much yeah but um you know there were some common bonds but that that was probably just weekend after weekend of never ending you know listening to cream and doobie brothers and skinnered and uh, oh my god there were so many to name like you know and um just everything i know about classic rock i learned out of my dad's car stereo or his vinyl collection basically yeah. awesome so yeah 
that's great man I, your dad was such a cool cat like i remember uh well the first time i i didn't realize that i would have met him it would have been at the store like when i was living there but like later on when we started when i started going to your place because that's where we had um you either jammed at your place or my place when we were in our early bands, which we'll get into that a little bit later. But okay. like, I remember we were all setting up and it was, you know, hi, Mr. Bowie, hi, Mrs. Bowie kind of thing. Like didn't know anybody, you know, and we started playing and your dad just stood, stood there over by the staircase and just watched us do our thing. And the smile he had on his face. Oh yeah. He loved the it. music when the, and we were, I mean, fucking kids. So, the noise that must have been coming out of what we were doing must have been just like fucking atrocious. But he was just grinning ear to ear. Like it must have been a proud moment for him to see his kid strapping on a guitar. And and because you were always playing those cheesy licks. So I guarantee you were playing some of those things mid-practice. So he would have been yeah, hearing like rock and roll, hoochie coo. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, you're always pulling that lick out. Like, yeah. You know I mean, so that's true. Yeah. So that so that's where that all comes from. That makes sense now. Yeah, I mean, I guess to me, like the, the other, well, yeah, I mean, that's exactly where it comes from. But the other cool thing that subconsciously it taught me that I didn't know it was going to teach me was um, when we would get like a hip parader magazine, mm -hmm. and you'd be like, you know, because of course, you know, the musical taste develop, and you'd you I would buy it for Nirvana coverage when it was in there mm -hmm. but sometimes you'd see like you know you learn about pantera or whomever yeah. in these hip raider magazines and sometimes they refer back to Jimi hendrix yeah. and i always just thought it was cool that i i felt like so like yeah i know who that is you know <laughs> what i mean like and yeah, yeah. you know i was like 10 or so but it was just 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 like to a picture be, of steve perry you're like i know who that guy is or... well yeah like just to be have the knowledge to have learned it on my own or have learned it from somebody that loved it as much. Mm -hmm. uh, it meant a lot, but it, I just thought it was cool. Like, you know, and yeah. um, I remember the the one, it, this was kind of a funny story because the one band that really spoke to me out of all those albums was Cream. Like, I just thought like they were, you know, first off it was Clapton. So Clapton was like, you know, you're, you're starting to learn guitar and Clapton's name is up there. Mm -hmm. um, so I never got so, into Cream, even though like Ginger Baker is like, consider one of the best drummers of all time i i've never gotten into cream yeah I, like i just i don't know what it was about them and i, I they were different though they were really unique sounding Man. and they kind of had the blues undertone but they were so kind of out there and like some of the old old like you know they had the hippie colors and like that whole, I don't know, you'd be watching a video and they'd have the old like awesome powers twirl thing on the screen and all that kind of stuff. And it was pretty hippie stuff. Yeah. But then it'd be like a wah solo under like, you know, a great blues guitar scale. It was just like, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, they just really spoke to me. And yeah. um, that would be the band that I would be like, you know, we, I'd be sitting around with my friends and uh I, we'd be talking about like stone temple pilots and i'm like you know ben you should listen to the like, classic rock band is cream we're like who are the cream who are these guys like i'm like well i mean that's here. get out of that, here yeah but i mean that's sort of true even now like kids that listen to music now don't know who 
bands like Nirvana and Soundgarden were like in that those because those are the bands that we came up with and it just you know it's cyclical that way but good music always sticks around so they come back around to that so because there's always those people that kind of you know carry the torch for those classic bands like Zeppelin and Beatles and Sabbath they're still around because of sure. that so you know the from the bands from the 80s and the 90s that are worth their weight are still around because people keep bringing them up you know kids don't necessarily know who they are now like they listen to Billie Eilish or you know whoever but then they come back to those other bands eventually there's a reason why they've been around for 50 years yeah you know yeah. consistently um you know whether i'm maybe touring and all that kind of stuff you could argue with that it's the same <laughs> level but yeah. um but, but musically kiss. audibly yeah. and the recordings yeah. are timeless and then yeah. they call it classic rock for a reason like yeah. it's just never going to go away like yeah. you know but what um, at, at what point does like because right because we consider classic rock 60s and 70s right so when do they start adding in the 80s and the 90s as we get further away from those decades or Will you know ever. what Will i'm ever. kind of a classic rock snob i'm a classic <laughs> rock snob to me like 79 after like no it's just yeah. i don't know what it is i just i don't know like to listen to panama and then listen to like american woman i'm like no it's not no it's not classic rock yeah some of it might and i could be wrong but it's just to me it'll be no i do to agree me it's you. just a different genre like not genre but era like it's just a different vibe that's, that's exactly and, what it is and i do agree with you because yeah. i'll never call the 80s rock or the 90s rock and that stuff classic rock like classic rock is by definition that particular era end of the 60s to the end of the 70s that's it that's classic when rock. burton cummings yeah. is rock and mascara has half of his t-shirt ripped then I'll agree that those worlds will jive in a classic rock. But until then, break you it can, to me gently. You can see what I did there. That's so bad. And you can keep Burton Cummings. <laughs> you know how I feel about that cat. Anyway. Yes, I do. <laughs> so what other players influence? Like, okay, so we go from the classic rock into like the Nirvana stuff. Um, so that kind of brings us to right around the time when we kind of started, when we crossed paths. It did. Um, and actually, um, you know, it, it's funny because to, so the first big stepping stone was the classic rock stuff. Yeah. And then the, the next big one was, of course, simultaneously, I guess, is learning at the same time as, you know, my cousins I mentioned earlier and my friends and Nirvana was the big band. Like, you know, for me, um, mm -hmm. Metallica was really big with that Black Album at the time. But yeah. I, although I liked it, mm -hmm. Nirvana just i don't know spoke to me a little bit more so that was kind of the route that i went there's a rawness um, to it what's that there's more of a rawness to it it felt more real and attainable absolutely absolutely okay. and you know a lot of my friends actually they were more pearl jam fans than nirvana fans and i was more of a nirvana fan than pearl jam mm -hmm. per se so yeah. that happened and then it's a really kind of strange twist of fate was that i met frankie russell Oh God, you I haven't know. Heard, heard, haven't heard that name in a while. Yes, well, Frankie and I became really good friends, as you know. Yeah. And it actually started, because at the time I was cutting lawns and for, I don't know how the story went, but anyway, it ended up that I ended up cutting his like father's lawn or stepmom's lawn or something like that. Right. So we met that day, 
come to find out, I was just kind of starting to skateboard and he was just kind of starting to learn guitar. Mm -hmm. So, and I was, you know, we were kind of reciprocal. Like I sucked at skateboarding. He was pretty good at guitar. Still do. Yes, I still do. (laughs) Um, But he was really good at skating. He was a good, yeah. I ran into him down in downtown Newcastle when they Mm -hmm. uh, built the new Richie's Wharf and that the library and all those spots where you would you know wax the curb and like get a good grind on you know for your trucks and your tail slides and all that shit and I remember skateboarding because there was a a cat that I'd met uh he lived his grandmother lived across the street from me he was from Fredericton and he used to skateboard so I started skateboarding with him so we went down into into town uh, because he was only around for the summers and that's where I met Frankie uh just Mm -hmm. he was just skateboarding or whatever so then and then uh that's when i I met aaron as well aaron young um so there was a whole crew of us skateboarding so i don't i don't think i met you first time i met you was at that first band practice Um, well uh, yeah i'll i'll bring it all the way to that so you can fill in the other side of that because like i i knew frankie i you know, a little bit, but it wasn't, it was kind of more like, you know, we'd bump into each other if we were both skateboarding in town and then cool, do a couple tricks, hang out, you know, have a smoke and then go our separate ways kind of thing. Yeah. Well, Frankie and I, we had so much in common, but it like, you know, it became a, like, uh, he would call around lunchtime Mm -hmm. and then I would leave and then I'd get home at like nine o'clock at night. And we didn't know what we would get into. Oh, no. But it always involved guitar playing and skateboarding at some level. And his father uh, at the time ran Pizza Hut. So there was always Pizza Hut pizza around. So it was it was a beautiful relationship. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I but, think the only thing better would have been as if he would have ran Dixie Lee. Oh, look at now you're talking to my heart here. Um, but he gave me one day a mixtape. For those of you young kids that might not know, <laughs> this was, you know. Predates the playlist. Exactly. Um, and that was, as much as the classic rock and Nirvana, th- that kind of made me want to play music and get into music. But mm-hmm. even if I never played an instrument, I would probably still be into music based on that. Yeah. But that tape made me want to be a guitar player. And it had Lagwagon Duh on one side and no effects, white trash, two heaps of a bean on the other side. And I put in no effects. And the first song on that is sold out. Mm-hmm. And just that, that, that opening riff, main maybe. riff to kick it off. I was like, what mastery is this? Yeah. And it was just like, it sounded so different from what I listened to in the up-tempo. Mm-hmm. And I could even look past Fat Mike's vocals. Like I could easily look past it because there was so much else going on yeah and then it you know it was good and then i remember listening to it and my dad poked his head in the door one day and bob was playing and he said he said that one's he said that's a cool song and then he kind of went on his way (laughs) and anyway i listened to that tape frankie wanted it back i would always like oh i forgot it like but i didn't i just wasn't (laughs) you know it's just meanwhile it's literally in the walkman you're playing right now yeah yeah so i mean there was that relationship with frankie and that and then i started learning getting away from the nirvana stuff and kind of going into 
whatever that was and then yeah. he told me it was punk he said that's well that's punk that's and i was punk like rock. oh yeah. I, you know i didn't know or so yeah. but i would hear it on some of the skateboard videos and i was kind of looking for it more and then um so that was another big moment and then i you know um i wanted to simultaneously my cousins in fredericton were getting into the same stuff yep. and um so that was you know that was we would talk about it and it, then it would become a, oh well if you like that band then you gotta listen to this band and if you like right. that band you gotta listen to this band and, and like it just comps. snowballs yeah then, no, you, then well, you get your hands on a fat comp and then you're like i got oh, like 30 bands i gotta find now yeah those comps well when are. i when i got my hands which everybody owned mm-hmm. survival the fattest yeah volume three Vol- yeah uh, was it volume three or volume two I was volume, two. volume three had little Chuck D's face on the um, on the CD. Yeah, maybe it did. Yeah, um, I think that was Survival of the Fattest. Wasn't yeah, it? Survival of the Fattest was the third one because it was uh, Fat Music for Fat People. Yeah, there was Fat Fat Volume Two, and then it was Survival. Oh yeah, of the maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you might be right. Anyway, that that was the one. Yeah, and Propaganda. so that was that, that was it. Like I never yeah. went back. Like when I listened to that comp, I listened to it. I remember I listened to it three times in a row. Yeah. And then about 20 minutes after the third time, I was like, okay, well, propaganda, I got to get that band mm-hmm. strung out. I got to get that band. And I was, yeah. and uh, the country roads, the me first, the gimme gimme yeah. was like the coolest thing in our house. It's all we listened to. We, my dad included. And um, so Frankie kind of gave me the first real, more modern punk rock stuff and then yeah. um I, I said oh geez i'd like to start a band or at least playing with people that had common musical right. yeah because um, that's where because i had played in a band with aaron and a couple of buddies from because i went to the french school you were at mvhs mm-hmm. um so i had uh, a buddy that i was um in my school switched over to mvhs right and he was living in douglas town so i'd always go and hang out at his place and he wanted the whole same thing like Nirvana and Pearl Jam, Metallica. His brother was like a huge Lars fan. He had a Tama drum kit all set up just like Lars, like almost like a replica kit, a cheaper awesome. replica kit, but it was cheap. It was a cheap kit, but it was still like all the pieces were there. So, and this is when I was starting to get into playing drums. Right. Um, so um, Richard was his name. Um the guy that I used to hang out with. And uh, so we started playing in a band together. So we were looking for a bass player and he, for some reason, I don't know where the connection came from. I think it was Matt Gay, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Matt Gay was like, well, I got a guy that plays bass. So it was me and Richard and Matt Gay and Aaron Young. And so then we started playing, just sucking like hard. And so we played a, a talent show at the school or whatever. And then um we just kind of all went our separate ways and then Aaron hit me up he's like dude we got to keep playing in a band I was like yeah absolutely he's like he's like I know a guy it's this guy I play against at hockey he seemed really interested lo and behold that's where you come in so that's right he's like okay in. we're gonna sit we're gonna set up a jam you know get the garage so I set up all the gear in my parents garage and then um Aaron and I uh no it was just me and Aaron and you I think that first day and so, so me and Aaron, me and Aaron are there. And we're, or no, um, Pete McIntosh was there. Pete McIntosh. Yes. Um, so the three of us are in the garage and we're, we're, you know, warming up or playing bad music or whatever. 
and then we hear the car pull up into the driveway we hear the door shut and then we hear bang 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 on the garage door so i hit the garage door opener and then you know it's slowly kind of coming up and i see it was almost like a scene at a crossroads it was a fucking so yeah i see first i see the skate shoes i'm like okay and then i see the white socks i'm like okay then i see shin <laughs> and then i see the low skate skater boy shorts or whatever and they see the amp and the guitar and i'm like who the oh, fuck man. is this guy <laughs> so then so then you come in you plug in your amp and you hit your guitar and that was that was the day we you and i first met actually right there so the and yeah so, it was so yeah what was it like on the yeah, other side and, of that garage uh, door i so you know what yeah. like i after I, I knocked i was like what am i doing like what am I doing? I don't know these people. Yep. I suck a guitar. I must have cajones on me. Like, like. But you know what though? At the same time, I don't know what was I thirteen, fourteen, maybe, ish. Um, I think you would have been because you're a year or two younger than I am. Yeah. So I would have been fifteen. So yeah, you probably would have been thirteen, going on fourteen. Yeah, something like that. Something anyway, like that. just babies. Yeah, so little baby with the high socks comes in, and <laughs> I plug in that Squire Strat into that Marshall. I yeah. don't even think I could. I don't even think I could tune a guitar back then. Like I think Aaron taught me that day how to tune. He's like, "Well, this is how you know." And then I just kind of tried my best to keep yeah, doing yeah. it. But like that was, I it was. But you know what though? That like. That was just a ton of fun. It was just a ton of fun doing that. Mm -hmm. And um, that that's kind of, I wouldn't say it's where we, I cut the chops because we didn't really get a lot of gigs or anything like that. But no, it wasn't. Well, we we were playing for gigs. No, enough. No, but like it felt like when we, I felt like anyway, when we were practicing, mm -hmm. like we were practicing with purpose. Yeah. Like, you know, if we played it and it sounded rusty, we would want to kind of do it again. And I, th I would, I'd like to think that everybody in the band had fun oh, yeah. and we all got along because we all hung out after uh, all the time. Yeah. There's a few little uh, drinking escapades there that I got involved in that we'll save for another podcast, but. Uh, um... Well, we got time. We got time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So the, um, uh, sorry, I got some stupid thing came up. All right. Yeah, no, I saw that too. All right, cool. Um, so yeah so we didn't play for gigs we were just kind of playing just to learn how to play our instruments because we were all figuring it out and i think that part of it was the challenge of figuring out those songs because i remember white trash and at that point pumpkin drublet had come out um there's a couple other um other bands that we were really into then rancid out come the wolves um and then there was some other more hardcore -y stuff that aaron and uh, but like that first iteration with with Pete didn't last for very long. I think we played like maybe one gig, maybe. Um, but then yeah. when Pete left, because then we brought in Bruce on vocals. Did Bruce come in through you, or was that through Aaron? Because I didn't know anybody. I went to I the French. I can't even group. remember, man. Okay. Yeah, I can't even remember. I want to say Aaron. Yeah, probably. But, yeah. Because because yeah, I I'm gonna. That'll be my final answer. <laughs> okay. So, but then when we got Bruce in to Bruce, actually sing. Um, Bruce then, was a little older than me. Yeah. He was, I think he was my age. He just lived up yeah, the Bruce road. Bruce was me. older, so I wouldn't have really known him, yeah. I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. 
Okay, so then, so Bruce came in and then Pete left shortly after that. And then the four of us, that's when shit got serious. That's when we started actually like, okay, we can play shows. Um, we played at uh, somebody's pit party or field party. Um, I remember we got a gig to yeah. during a, uh, an intermission during some figures or not figure skating, but like family skate day at the civic center. Um, yeah, <laughs> do you remember that? The, the girlfriends, which was a, a popular band in the area, but they were oh, like yes. you know, classic, you know, um, Be, like bebop, beboppy kind of thing. And like then, 50s, yeah. So then they took a break, and while they were on their break, we got to go up and play their play their <laughs> gear. <laughs> we played Rancid, we played Bob from No Effects, and then then at that point we had like a couple of originals and uh i think i did i yeah we came did. up with these little riffs and we had uh, Bruce i want to put, put some lyrics yeah and, we had i want to yeah. be a ramon um yeah and, and uh x-man i think it was there was one called it had like a ska riff in it um put up or shut mm -hmm. up so we were yeah, yeah. we were at, right away as soon as we started figuring out other people's songs like no effects and, and rants and stuff you guys started writing riffs and we started making originals like pretty much off the hop we did. And I mean, I think for me, I don't know. I didn't, I never like, I don't know. I still don't consider myself a good songwriter. I just like creation. And I think, but I think, you know, looking back, I think that's what that no effects and the lag wagon, the punk scene did for me mm -hmm. is because although technically they were like Nirvana and everybody else, just because nobody knew what it was and it was so like underground for us, it just felt like this whole other level of creativity. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to be creative. And it's probably looking back why I was drawn to Nirvana mm -hmm. um, and all that kind of stuff. So I just, I don't know. It's just been a world that I was involved in and I jumped right in and um, I loved it. And I still love it today. Like yeah. I still, I still love it. You know, I, I, uh, um, I think I've, I've grown musically like with a lot of different genres too but at the same time I mean yeah I was like you know 13 writing these riffs that were the starting point of an original song yeah so we did um like then we played a, a hotel lobby party for um for Gene and I remember that was a that was an adventure. So I remember that was way, that was a little ways out of town. Your dad drove us all the gear yeah. in his car. We were all piled on each other. And then we get to this hotel lobby. We set up, we play our set. We only had like maybe 30 minutes, 30 or 40 minutes worth of stuff. So. And then we had to do it again because we were done. <laughs> we played it. Yeah. And then they're like, play that. I don't want to be a Ramon song. Not many, not many bands to open and close on the no, sheet back then no. in the original punk scene. No, markets. well, we didn't have one. We kind of had to make it, right? We had to kind of, and the thing is, is there was a lot of uh, like-minded teenagers in our area mm -hmm. that didn't have a scene. So we were trying to build that. Um, and I don't think Miramichi really still has a strong scene presence. I mean, there's quite a bit of musicians from here. Like, you know, I mean, there's us, there's Dylan Ryan, there's Terry Whalen, but those yeah. are all different genres. Like we're all completely different genres. That's true. Yeah. I, I, I would say so, there's a music scene, a but music there isn't scene. a genre scene. Exactly. Yeah. You know, not like in other places like in Moncton or in Fredericton, like where you have 
you know, you go to the Caveau in Moncton and guaranteed you're going to see either a punk or a hardcore or, you know, a heavy band. Yeah, it's probably true. You know, mm -hmm. um, so I remember, who was it that threw up on themselves? Do you remember that? At that hotel party? It wasn't me. No, no. <laughs> he, was singing, he was singing along to I Want to Be a Ramon and then he threw up on himself and then he just kept going. Um, yeah. I can't remember his name now. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Um, well, I mean, look at it. You well, know, we were just kids. We were if kids. If I ever we were drinking. to be a Gigi or a Fat Mike, it's mm. having somebody throw up on themselves to yeah, one of the go. songs of a riff that I wrote. There you go. So that's yeah. got to account for something somewhere, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm guessing. Okay, so if we if we look at the whole of of Jack Bowie, I don't mean your whole. I mean the whole of Jack Bowie. The classic rock, the punk rock, the DIY. So all those different genres kind of mushed them together because you do have a bit of a unique guitar style where you, you, you play rhythm and lead sort of inter like in, I want to say that you don't do them at the same time, but they kind of flow from one into the other seamlessly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've ever sat down to say, I'm going to do that. I guess I just try to, when I sit down to write, I guess I just try to write things that are fun to play that I think might speak to somebody. Mm -hmm. And I, to be quite honest with you, um, back then I probably didn't do that very much, but you know, and a little side note, like I kind of quit for a while. Like, you know, we life got in the way and, you know, you were moved, you moved away and Aaron yeah. was gone and, and all my friends kind of left off to do other things. So yeah. I didn't play guitar very much for a long time, like, yeah. you know, at all. And, um, I would probably say from like early two thousands to like 2008, 2009, I didn't really, you know, I didn't yeah. really play. I didn't write. I didn't, I love music still, but I didn't yeah. really play. And then um, I went back and I kind of forgot how much I love Motorhead. And I realized that a lot of like Lemmy's riffs is that's exactly what he's doing. And then when I started peeling back the layers a little bit, I was like, well, wait a minute, you know, Fat Mike's kind of doing that on the bass too. And, you know, I just, why not? Like, like why not? So um, just kind of melted some of their techniques together. And, you know, I'm no martyr or nothing on guitar player. I just kind of, you know, um, I just do what I do, I guess. And yeah. it's probably influenced by those two people, which oddly enough are bass players, but, yeah. um, you know, in, in theory, um, but I guess, yeah, I suppose I do that. <laughs> I don't set out to do it. It just, it kind of happens, but I guess for me, um, why not add a little extra melody if you can afford to do it and if yeah. it helps what you're trying to create. Yeah. Fair point. I agree. So, I enjoy it. Like I, yeah, that's, that's part of like. All I have to say I have, about that. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. That's a terrible Forrest Gump. Um, yeah, because I find like because you come up with the riffs and then like you'll either send me an audio or you'll show them to me and before we kind of start jamming on them. Um, so I kind of get a bit of a free range on the drum parts. Um, you'll generally have an idea of like a tempo kind of a thing. Um, but I do appreciate that, you know, your riff is open to interpretation as far as 
what I'm going to add to it or what Sean's going to add to it or, you know, that kind of thing. And then see where the song develops from there. Cause usually they're, they're fairly fully formed as far as uh, thematically when you, when you bring them to the table. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess my thing is, is that, um, and as you know, <laughs> you've been there many well, times. Well, I know, but I'm not, other people don't know. Yeah. I'm not really ever married to the arrangement that I bring to the table. But I guess it's good to come to practice with ideas mm -hmm. because then you could, you know, um, if I want you to be involved and Sean uh, to be involved, then the reality is I got to have more than just a four bar or eight bar or 12 bar section of a song and be like, that's it. What do you think? <laughs> like, uh, you know, uh, so I'm very open to moving things around. And that's why I stall on lyrics quite a bit because I kind of want you guys to get your hands in the dough, so to speak, before, because I don't want to write a bunch of lyrics down to be like, oh, now I got to do this and change this. And <laughs> I, I'm looking, I'm too lazy to come up with drum and bass parts and the song and the lyrics. So I'm going to give you guys a shell. And, but I think it's, I just, I don't know, I guess in my mind too, um, I would just think that people would have more fun if everybody's involved. So yeah. I it try to kind of, yeah, like be, free reign on what you want to do and like i'm not even i tell sean all the time like sometimes uh, uh and james when james was with us too yep. he'd be like oh i kind of played it different tonight and i'd be like i don't care <laughs> like sounded great you know, yeah like yeah do do what you want up there and i mm -hmm. um i enjoy having the bass player uh either one of the mcclafferty's doing <laughs> leads all night to how they want to do it if yeah. you know um like what we did on the album sounds great but you know uh, at the same time if they wanted to play it differently every night i'm like okay like because i just kind of have my part structured in a way that i got to do what i got to do and it allows you guys to be a bit of in a jam band and mm -hmm. it takes the pressure off i guess of the live show of yeah. trying to nail each thing and that's part of the beauty of the live show is i don't you can listen to the cd if we, or yeah. the link or band camp or the download or whatever you want to call it these days but you can go and listen to it if you want to hear the note for note Mm -hmm. Come see us play, have yeah. some fun, watch us do something different, try not to mess up too bad. And that like I just that's the beauty of music to me. And um that really changed for me actually when I did saw see, sorry, that was bad. Uh when I saw no effects. I don't spoke so back, great. Yeah, I can spoke. <laughs> um back in 2000, where they weren't don't get me wrong, they were really good, but mm -hmm. they weren't flawless. But it was part of the attraction and then yeah. that's just and i think that's part of that punk scene like where it doesn't you know you want to sound good but it, it that's part of the beauty of it is you you don't quite know what's going to happen yeah um and i mean you know it's probably in all genres of course but yeah um, but punk is, i just punk think is that, that genre lends itself to that a little bit more from, yeah it's more you know, added well punk experience. is all about energy and attitude right um actually i was just listening to a podcast recently with um shifty uh, he had, um, you know, the singer from the Gimme's on, um, Spike, and uh, Spike. they were talking. They were talking about the early days of, of the Gimme's, and he said Fat Mike went to Shift. Shifty said Fat Mike came to me, and he said, "The only thing that you got to do is make sure your guitar's in tune. Everything else, you can be as sloppy as you fucking want, but as long as you're in tune, will sound great." And that was it. <laughs> so it's yeah. like and it's and you know, true to this day <laughs> it's true as long as you're in tune you know everything else just kind of works yeah. itself out right 
and uh and smelly yeah and said, oh that old gretch oh god <laughs> that old gretch how old are the strings it, it, on that it, like 10 years old uh, when was the last time you changed the strings on your guitar jack be honest i don't know yeah that's part of the sound <laughs> yeah have you ever changed strings on one of those things <laughs> hey listen man i have to change drum heads like top bottom i can adjust like don't talk to me about setting up gear oh gosh <laughs> well you know it's it's funny though because i uh i thought it was just me i was like oh god i'm so lazy with that but i saw an interview with brian setzer yeah his tech uh, yeah. maybe it was no it was one of those on youtube one of those rig rundowns mm -hmm. and the tech said that he goes behind setzer's back and changes his strings he says he is, brian wants the oldest strings on his gretches as he possibly can have and he said i go behind his back and change them all the time <laughs> so That's we need funny. to do better so if you if you want those strings changed you're gonna have to hire somebody to do it behind my back yeah we're <laughs> in that position for sure yeah okay. that's yeah right yeah for sure um yeah no but i think yeah i think when it comes to back to the creation and the i don't know two parts at once i just try to add some melody um mm -hmm. i don't coin myself a great singer so i figured the more melodies behind there then it kind of masks my insecurities with that and yeah. but at the same time it's just if the song lends itself to it, then it lends itself to it. Like when on the preachers, three chords, mm -hmm. you know, there's no extra layering really on that. Um, but then you listen to outlaw and there's all kinds of ring outs and octaves and double octaves and all this yeah. other kind of stuff. So I just kind of do what I guess I feel like at the time for it, but yeah, yeah you're right. It's all of what we just talked about is why I kind of do that, I guess, subconsciously. Yeah. And I mean, we do also have instrumentals in the mix and that comes from uh the love of the old spaghetti western stuff which yeah because I mean, when we started this project uh which is now six gun smoke it used to be called the dibiases uh, yes. we had the old classic western font for the for the logo mm -hmm. or whatever um and we were really in a different direction musically uh it was sort of more influenced by that that old spaghetti western kind of vibe it, and yeah, and even a little bit before that, it, it how it turned out was it was even more of an alt country band. It was like almost like I don't I just kind of like a like a heavier Willie Nelson kind of thing that I, it kind of got away from that, and then I kind of got into that vibe. Um, yeah, and it just it kind of was yeah a little it was a little bit more alt country but on the kind of darker spaghetti western side yeah and then just i guess i just developed into you know the punk rock roots i guess came out eventually and melted yeah. what is six gun smoke which yeah. seems to so I think work we i were, guess I think we people were seem to out. like it <laughs> yeah i think we were jamming out one day and i think it was just the two of us um so i think sean was mending uh, from surgery or something like that and we just kind of started playing some old punk songs and then that influenced. then we went to play our originals and the punk stuff we were just doing kind of influenced how we played them and then we we're like yeah. what the fuck are we doing like let's get back to what we actually grew up with yeah and you know back to your roots or whatever and then 
kind of shed that other side of of the sound and we're like this is what we are now yeah, yeah and i think you know um it wasn't a resistance against that or anything i think no. it was just that's just the just, way that it, it was kind of like a light yeah. bulb that went off it's like well why why are we doing it this way you know yeah i agree and um I don't know. I, I guess for all the stuff that I'm writing now and how the back part of the debut album worked out, was it just kind of, for the songs we had, it worked. And then for the other ones that we added, it was just was natural and it came quickly. And it was yeah. just, you know, then um, we created our vibe and our sound and um, that's what we are. So <laughs> it is what it is. It as is they what say. it is. Yeah. But um i i gotta say though uh i tried a couple different instruments and that gretsch and those old deluxes and devilles that that seems to be the yeah it, it's in the it's in the comfort zone for this project for sure like yeah. that, that seems to be part so you of sit, why the sound is so when you sit down to write a song do you sit down with the gretsch in hand or do you sit like it doesn't matter what you're because i'm guessing what you're playing what you're hearing as you're coming up with rips would influence how you're going to write the song um not really like i don't i don't sit down with the gretch and be like i'm doing this riff because it's only going to work on the gretch and that's it that's all but what i will say is that when i want to kind of i get it so far developed and then i kind of put it through the the meat grinder mm -hmm. and i run it through and i i you know i play it on the gretch and see how it sounds and get the pedal board out and kind of do the full full process and um that's kind of the make or break for me sometimes i'll play and i'll be like nah. and then other times i'm like yeah this is this is going to be something that i'm going to continue to work on to be honest with you the the thing i write the most on mm -hmm. is i have a 95 horner acoustic that i got on first sale mary machine for 30 dollars, <laughs> and i write more on that than anything Okay. So they start off with an acoustic. Smoke stuff, but so they, they yep, the riffs already start with an acoustic. Okay. Pretty much. But again, uh, they're not an acoustic vibe, right? Like I'll play it like the way I would play it on the Gretsch on the acoustic. Yeah. But um, then I just kind of translate it be like, yeah, I think that's in our wheelhouse and we'll kind of put it through that process. And then if I feel like there's something to it, then I bring it to you guys and see what you think. And work on it from there cool. so yeah we've got about what like uh, 12 new riffs that we are waiting to have covid fuck off so we can do that yeah got some and i got some in the hopper got some in the hopper i'm always i mean i don't know i always come up with them i guess and yeah. um just and i mean the rusty rake side project was kind of riffs that i thought were still good but maybe just not for six gun smoke um that's kind of where i put those aside and work on those a little bit here and there so yeah um yeah i like i like side projects and stuff yeah, like that then, so. well then there's the stuff that you do solo as well i mean i know you do like whenever you play like a solo gig kind of thing you you know break out those cheesy 80s um uh, bad cover it's songs true. like poison and um you know yeah, what's I that, do. What's that uh, song? Turn around. Talk dirty to me. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, that? I do the breaking the law version. I do quite a bit too. That Judas Priest one. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know the, that the, the solo acoustic thing um, is a fun way for me to get out and stay sharp, I guess, help my vocals, you know, within reason. Um, but it also allows me to play stuff that I wouldn't kind of sit around at home and play. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I panic because I'll book, somebody will ask me if I want to play or I'll book like, you know, one off show. And uh, I like book it and I'm like, oh, it's like a month away. And then I just kind of like, you know, do my thing. I work or whatever, take uh, the kids to their activities and whatnot. And then it's like Saturday at like four o'clock. And I'm like, I'll take out the set list. I'm like, oh my God, there's like 70 songs here. And I don't remember any of these lyrics. Yep. <laughs> so I kind of have a little bit of a panic attack before every gig. And then I'm literally on like, spotify with my earbuds walking around the house like trying to make like a set list i'm like okay well, i think i know that song so and then i like listen to the venue and then nobody shows up and then i don't have to worry <laughs> about it because there's nobody there to hear me so yeah yeah those days of well, that like, worked for nothing <laughs> those days of like three or four sets like 60 songs four hour nights like i don't i don't know I how i believe we used to do that we used to for do you that. folks watching we the DiBiase's literally used to do that. We would we would play like a local bar in Mirror Machine, and we would start at ten and end at two, mm -hmm. and we literally, Sean Dre and I, would have three probably three sets of fifty minutes um, worth yeah, of we material. Take, we'd take like maybe even a little bit more. We take a break and a half. We take one break, fifteen minutes, twenty yeah. minutes, whatever, and then we take a quick break to go grab a beer and a piss and then get back on and play at the end of the night. So that means one of two things. You guys would be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you guys did that. Or how the hell are you guys not way better than you are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's probably option number two. We probably should be better for be all better. that, but yeah. Well, like um, you, I took yeah. a, I took a long hiatus after um, that initial band broke up. I went off to college and it's then true. moved to St. John, started a family, and then moved back here. And then I moved back, and you were doing the Jack Frost and Bongo Boy project. So you, <laughs> you, you Dale, that's right. You, Dale, and your brother, and uh, yeah, you went at the the D Town Pub in the basement. I remember showing up to that, and you just <laughs> kind of double takes like fuck that's dre yeah well that kind of started because dale was just kind of like why don't we get together and jam i'm like yeah okay like you know and it's musically somebody i always kind of looked up to like you know and so we got together and we started playing it was kind of fun and then my yeah. brother said well i can come down and like my brother uh played drums a little bit so mm -hmm. he was like yeah and then you know we could keep keep some rhythm and it just worked and it's a um, great name though and well, you like, know, it's kind of funny because in Mary Machine, a lot of people, they just use their name, right? Like, you know, you're yeah. going to see Jack or whatever. Yeah. So originally, if I, if I think about it, I think Dale said, why don't you just use your name? And I was like, no, 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 no. I said, I, I'm not using my own name for no other reason than we're in this together and like, you know, we're a group and blah, it's, blah, 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 blah. It's, well, it's different if it's just you versus you and other people. Correct. Yeah. So anyway, I, I came up, I, th I think it was me. I said, well, why don't we use my first name and your last name? So my Dale's name is Dale Frost. It was Jack Frost. So I was like, that kind of worked. And then my brother goes, 
and Bongo Man. And I looked at him and I said, how about Bongo Boy? <laughs> and that's that's well, how it was born. And, you are and the older to this brother, day, so. to, well, they still call him Bongo. Everybody oh, yeah. calls him Bongo. So hey, it's Bongo. stuck. And um, anyway, yeah. So that was Jack Frost and Bongo Boy. So we did that for a while. And then I don't even really know kind of why we stopped, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Well, I can't remember. I think I think I'm part of that problem because that's when I moved back. You might be. And then uh, my wife was like, "Well, you said you played drums, right?" Because I didn't. I hadn't played since then, right? So I was mentioned to her a couple times. I used to play drums back, you know, when I was a kid. And she didn't really um, put much stock in that because, like, yeah, okay, well, I used to play guitar, and like, you know, everybody plays guitar, so it's kind of the same thing. So then. Uh, went to the music stop music shop here in town and then just bought a cheap drum kit and then went back to that same uh because your mom still had that house <laughs> so come full circle our, our first yeah we did because i was still living there at the time and basement, we yeah. started jamming and and then yeah and you know i guess my thing is i had the bandwidth to do both but yeah. um this just kind of took off a little bit more me i guess excuse me and um, anyway, yeah, we that was DBS. kind of the foundation for Six Gun Smoke, really. Yeah. Well, yeah, we did. And then we were in Dirty She for a while because we hooked back up with Aaron and kind of did that for a little bit. And I wrote some songs for that. But and I'll credit Aaron again. He was the one that kind of pushed me. He's like, why aren't you playing? Why aren't you writing? Why aren't you? Why aren't you? And yeah. that's, you know, classic Aaron. He, he'll motivate you in the right way to... Mm -hmm do what you want to do if you have hesitation yeah so um we did that and i learned a lot out of that and yeah. uh so thank you aaron if you're listening so he's i learned not. a lot out of that <laughs> he's, he's not, not listening to this no he's not listening to this <laughs> and then um especially not so, now after 40 some minutes <laughs> no no he's his attention span has gone away um but yeah no i mean you know so I got a ton of musical influences like John and Matt Bowie and Dale and you and Aaron and like, it just never stopped. Even Kevin, we talked about Kevin Richard earlier. Like I, yeah. I can still remember taking lessons uh, from Kevin. And um, actually I only took lessons. I took one lesson from a friend that my dad had known once and he taught me hair to gold. And then I took lessons from Kevin. Those are the only lessons I've ever taken. And um but yeah, I've had like a ton of musical influences instrument wise and then band wise. And I just kind of take a little bit from all of them and here we are. But yeah. yeah, it basically was Jack Frost and then to our little startup, which ended up being the Dirty Sheets and then the DBOSIs kind of simultaneously. And then um, the logistics of Dirty She was just too hard with the travel and Aaron and Fredericton and us here and all that. Mm -hmm. And then we just kept going on you and I with the DB Aussies and started building a bit of a name, I guess, around town for ourselves, if you would. And then, and then some heckler in the crowd said, I will, I'll play bass for you. Remember that? Yes. That's, some, some guy that sitting is... in the front was like, Hey, you guys need a bass player. I can do it. And now he's still in the band. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah. Fuck. yeah. You don't get too many like band invites that actually work out. Like, like hey, i'm just gonna invite myself in your band but it was a perfect fit we love sean and we got along right away and 
we're kind of dumb for not even thinking about it ori yeah. really originally well, I mean, to begin with but the history was always there because when we were playing yeah. those that uh field party uh he was playing in another band lighting his leather pants on fire like legit like he's a crazy motherfucker and that's why we're not even shocked we're not even <laughs> no. shocked that's yeah. most most people would just call that a tuesday that's, that's you know that's yeah for us that's just yeah. you know i'll have to get him on here and have a, a chat with him about that stuff yeah so, anyway no all right um yeah that's pretty much bringing around full circle man well, i think that's a good spot to end this full circle yeah yeah i think so all right so we'll uh we'll shut this down and then uh yeah so awesome well thanks for having me i love these podcasts i love listening to them and uh pretty pumped that you asked me to be on so thank you very much sir all right that was my conversation with jack um like i said before we uh talked for a long time and this is just a small portion of it even though the uh probably the longest podcast so far um just a lot of history between he and i um over the years uh so i'm gonna have more non-drummers on the podcast um so if there's any non-drummers uh, that you'd like me to talk to or drummers or whoever you'd like me to have on the podcast, uh, give me a shout, let me know, comment, like, all that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't usually do the subscribe and like and click the bell. Um, I figure people know how to use YouTube and if they want to do that, they'll do it. Appreciate the support as always and uh, hope you all stay safe and take care of each other. Um, if you need help, mental help, reach out. I know that uh, it's not always easy to, to get the help, uh, particularly with shortages of doctors and, and all the resources, but don't give up. You're worth it. All right. Love you all. Peace.